Do you have a client-based business that needs streamlining? Acuity Scheduling, a Squarespace company, is a scheduling tool you never know you needed, but you always wanted. No more mixing up time zones for remote meetings, reduce your no-show appointments, and keep everything organized in one hub. We here at Popter Lounge are avid users of Acuity Scheduling and a proud affiliate. Sign up for Acuity Scheduling today. Visit the link in this episode's blog post to sign up for an account. Hey guys, this is Notel, and you're about to listen to my interview on Pop Nerd Lounge. Welcome to Pop Nerd Lounge, the podcast for the creative soul. I'm your host, Steph Pham. If you enjoy these conversations with creatives, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. On today's episode, we have a singer-songwriter based out of Nashville. She's been working in the industry since 2014 with several DJs and producers around the world. She's accumulated over 12 million streams on Spotify, both as a writer and a vocalist. We talk about her beginnings in Nashville, how she's transitioning from writing for other artists to becoming her own solo artist, and she gives advice to fellow creatives out there. This is Notel. Welcome to Popner Lounge. My guest today is Notel. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. If you had to name an intersection after your life, for example, something like passion and purpose, what would your intersection be called? Oh, man, that's a really good question. I think probably creativity and empathy. Yeah, because I feel like, one, I'm just a naturally creative person, but I think everyone has little pieces of creativity in them. And then I think the empathy is just crucial for being a functioning, kind human being. And I think also the empathy plays into the creativity a little bit. If you're empathetic, you can then look at other people's creativity and understand that, you know? Yeah, I'd say that for sure. (laughs) That is the mission statement or the principles, the pillars of our show. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. We speak to creatives, but we try to insert empathy into these conversations because a lot of creatives, we get misunderstood by non-creatives a lot of the time. We get put down or we get told that we should look for something more practical or whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be, like the rejections or whatever it is. We, We get told no or we get beat down so much, but then at the same time, like I try to insert empathy in these conversations so that way creatives know that they have a safe space, that their dreams are valid. These people have done it, they're doing it, and you can too. And that's the reason why we created the space. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that every person I know that I work with faces some type of scrutiny for being a creative. Even It might even just be totally internal. Um, just assuming that you need to compare your life and your trajectory to people who are not creative and under- not understanding why your life doesn't fit that mold, that kind of thing, or even external from family members or other collaborators. Or I face it all the time, so I totally get that. Speaking of creatives and non-creatives, you come from a family of accountants. How did that <laughs> impact your upbringing as a creative? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> Oh, my mom's going to love that. She, yeah, I think that I always say I'm a type B personality raised in a type A household. So I think that it, part of my work ethic and my ability to be detailed oriented is not natural. That is a hundred percent a learned skill. And it's definitely comes from my family. They're all engineers and 
real estate lawyers and accountants and accounting professors and CPAs and data analysts. And I'm like, I'm going to go write songs. So I'll see you guys at Thanksgiving and I'll try not to dye my hair purple in the meantime. <laughs> but they're cool about it. <laughs> I relate to that too, because I have a sister who is in the architecture field, which is, I consider that creative. And then, oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a combination of uh, creative and practical because mm -hmm. you need buildings, you need houses. You need to be analytical to make that stuff not tumble down on top of you. And, and then I have a, a little sister who is in uh, computer science and she's in that space as well. And, and I'm over here, the creative, the journalist. And so I'm just like, hey, guys. Welcome. Welcome to the rest of yes, us. Yes, exactly. Oh. Hey, guys. Don't exactly fit them all. We're here. <laughs> We yeah. exist. We're the creatives of the yeah. family, and I love that. I love, love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> you attended the University of Maryland, and you also mm -hmm. received another undergraduate degree for songwriting and music business at Belmont. When creatives typically dive into the real world after education, what made you want to go after another degree? I think to me it was... So I'd always been a writer and I knew at a young age, I wasn't quite sure I wanted to, again, coming from a very practical, logical family, I was concerned about putting all of my eggs into the songwriting basket at age 18, because I knew that I was young. I knew that it was a part of me, but I didn't know if it was something like that I wanted to go at 18, make that decision. That's what I'm going to do for the long haul. And there's a lot of people that are confident enough to do that. And I just wasn't at that age. So I went and got a degree in English. I worked at radio stations, worked at publishing companies, worked with smaller scale music festivals. So I was still very involved in music, but more just from the business end and the uh, practical, for lack of a better, better word. But I knew after graduating college that I, I wanted to move to Nashville and I worked better with structure. So re-enrolling in school and learning things like copyright law and how a publishing deal works and grassroots marketing and just songwriting 101 that was really helpful for me to jump right in. It gave me an automatic network. It gave me kind of an introduction to the city and the people that I could be collaborating with in the future. So it was a good decision. It was not cheap, but it was a good one. So I'm happy to have done it. When you were a student, you had quite the full play. You had your studies, your internship, your part-time job on top of pursuing songwriting. So how did you set priorities with such a busy schedule? Oh, gosh. Sleep was at the bottom of the priority list. I can definitely say that one. There was a lot of, my schedules pretty much wake up, get in my 8 a.m. class, go from 8 to 3. And then I would either at my all-day classes or internship, and then I would go to my part-time job. I was a nanny. And then I did top-lining stuff and writing stuff at night. And then after I'd take those night sessions, I'd go straight to the library. So I had very little social life, very little sleep. I think it was, again, I just work better at the busier schedule. So it was just, what is due first? What do I have to accomplish first? And I don't know if anything took a backseat other than sleep in my social life, but everything else felt like pretty equal priorities because you know I had to make money and I had to develop my experience and I had to learn and I had to write. So yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like that's something that a lot of creatives can relate to because most of the time we don't, there are the fortunate ones who get to do their passions for an income right out of the gate, but not all yeah. of us are. We have to mm -hmm. have that 40 hour job or whatever to supplement our creativity. And that, totally. yeah, that's something that's a huge learning curve, but one day, hopefully, my, my hope is that all of us creatives get that opportunity to be a full-time creative. Yeah, isn't that the goal? Yeah. It's, geez, <laughs> we could all close our eyes. We're like, all I wanna do is sit in a room and write songs with my friends and then cry a little bit over my piano and someone pay my rent. <laughs> 
Please. Which is like, is that too much to ask? Right. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, because and that's that's a huge thing where where a lot of people they'll concern creatives. They're like, aren't you concerned about where your money's coming from or the more stable thing like benefits? Like, like yeah. what's about health insurance? Four hundred one k. Exactly. Like, aren't you concerned about? That? We are. We totally are. Yes. But trust me, <laughs> we are. <laughs> we totally we are. Right. We totally are. But at the same time, we would like to do what we love for an income. That's like the, yeah. yeah, like the goal, like you said. Yeah. Even though Nashville is known uh, as a music city, the common association that it's like a home base for country music. So how did mm -hmm. you adapt to the Nashville pop scene when you were starting? I think that my full true immersion into the Nashville pop scene didn't happen until Lord, probably two or three years ago when I started my artist project and I took a step back from the DJ features that I was doing and started to really work on stuff for like a solo artist project. But I think, I guess in terms of the pop scene here, the amount of explosion I have seen in the past two to three years, because I've been here for about seven years, I think for the first four or five, I was working a lot by myself and it really wasn't until I stepped out to do my own stuff that I really jumped right into it. It's insane. <laughs> the amount of people here are so good doing pop stuff and it's so untapped. I'm excited to see where it goes and where all my friends goes and where all my friends go with it. And yeah, I get asked that question a lot and I never really know how to respond. I'm always like, I don't know. I just met them and I just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's crazy the amount of growth that the city has seen just in terms of pop music. You collaborated a lot with a lot of like DJs and producers in your career. What mm -hmm. are you looking for whenever you collaborate with people? I think first and foremost that it's something I am inspired by. Because uh, we'll get me and my writing partner, her name is Luma. We do a lot of uh, featured vocalists and top lining work together. In addition, then I do my artist project on the side. But her and I, I think first and foremost, we get the most excited when we get a track or we're working with an artist whose music just inherently speaks to us, or just that's, we can hear melodies and lyrics right away and just moves you or is emotive instantly. And then I think after that is someone who is kind and hardworking because it doesn't really matter how good the song is. Yeah, we can write your song over that and it'll be great. But if you're not willing to push it and you don't believe in it yourself and you're not a hustler, then like, it's just going to go into the universe and die. And at that point, it's like, why did we even do that? If no one's going to hear it, then what's the point? Right. Like it has to be that right balance of you're a hard worker. You're willing to put in the sweat equity, but also being a kind yes. person because nobody's going to want to work with you if you're rude and mean. Yeah. Like, a total jerk. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What are the pros and cons of being independent? Oh, man. I think the cons would be that you are expected to do everything. You have to be your own creative director. You have to be your own booking agent, your own manager. You have to schedule your own sessions. You have to make sure that you have deadlines and then you have to find everybody else who's going to help you. So you have to find your own PR girl, which my PR chick is amazing. Name's Brittany. You have to find the people who are going to help you with streaming campaigns. There's nobody who's going to do any of the work for you. But the upside of that is that if it were to work out, you make a lot more money because you don't have anybody's hands in your honeypot. If you don't have to give a label your master ownership, then when it comes to streaming royalties, every single cent goes to you. And then I think also you have a little more freedom. I think, again, being raised by my, and surrounded by logical accountants, I tend to be a little bit of 
a control freak and not in a mean way, not a mean way, but I just like to have a say in every single piece of what's going on. And I like to make the ultimate call because it is me. I am the brand. The songs are mine. So it's, if I don't believe in it, I'm not going to support it. And I think when you're independent, you don't have to check in with anybody else. It's like, no, this is what I want to do. and I'm going to do it because no one's going to tell me no. So I think that's why I prefer to be independent. But obviously having extra help, like we're going to say no to that. So if someone, if anybody's listening and they want to sign me, please email me, hit me up. <laughs> I'd love to talk. We'll see how the terms are, but let's chat. <laughs> so definitely not against it, but yeah, the few musicians that I've spoken to who are independent, they have mm -hmm. the same mentality where they love that creative freedom because that's yeah. ultimately we get into this business to create the art that we want to make. And when you even though like having a record label deal, it looks glamorous and it looks luxurious, you still have all those people who are in control before you get any kind of final say over your yeah. product. You have yeah. the A&R, you've got label executives, you got their team, like their team of producers or whoever they want to work mm -hmm. with you. And it, it, it kind of infiltrates on your creative process. It really does. And I've met people who have signed deals and they're over the moon happy with it. And I've met people who have signed deals that are like, oh, holy shit, get me out of this. Like they're trying to get out of the deal. So I think it really just happens to be uh, like luck of the draw. I don't think that which is just unfortunate because I've seen people who are signed who are, everyone is incredibly talented. I've seen people that are signed that aren't talented and people that are signed that are talented. And it's just like, it doesn't really matter, but either way people can be unhappy or they can be happy with it. And I think ultimately it's just like, hope you're, hope you're across your fingers and hope it works out because it's hard. Talk to me about being a solo artist and how did you adjust to change from writing songs for other artists to being your own artist? That, oh man, that changes, makes you significantly more vulnerable. That's for sure. Cause it's your voice. It's your face. It's your ideas. It's your diary entry, every single song. So I think that when it comes to writing for another artist, the cool thing about that is that you can listen to them, tell their story, whatever they want to do. And you get to help them do that. But when it comes to your own, I think there's significantly more pressure to get the words right, to get the vibe right. Because if you're going, well, this is my feeling and this, what I'm putting out right now isn't returning the same feeling back to me and therefore it's like insufficient. So I think it's, that can be difficult. And because you are not, you're normally not collaborating with as many people when you're a solo artist, you do get stuck in your own head and you're trying to one up yourself from the previous single and you don't have many people to bounce the ideas off of and say, Hey, I trust that you know me and know my vision. Can you tell me if this is correct? Because ultimately again, it's your call. So the pressure I think is higher for sure. I like that. And I was talking to another artist and he was saying that it's good to have those people um, who are willing to be honest with you when it comes to your work, because uh -huh. like, I love the yes people and I love the people that encourage us, but at yeah, the same time, like, yeah, exactly. We need those people in our camp, but at the same uh -huh. time, we need people who are going to be willing to be honest with us and to give us constructive criticism to make our work better. Absolutely. And I think I've just tried to surround myself with people that I look at and I think, you guys are all very good at your job. So when in doubt, you guys want me to be good at my job because your name is subsequently attached to my project. And if you're good at your job and if I'm doubting me, if you believe in me, then just I should believe in me because I believe in what you believe in kind of thing. If, if 
I support you and you support me, then I should be supporting myself. If that kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. does. Yeah. Yeah. I love your sonic signature being dark industrial pop. And I definitely hear your influences of Billie Eilish and Nine Inch Nails. What inspired you to create music in that space, in that style? I think I just have always been drawn to that type of stuff. I just think it's like badass. And I think it's just what I sit down and when I hear a new song, those are the elements that I'm attracted to, whether it's a new song or an old song or whatever. I mean, it's, and I don't know why that comes out of me. My parents also don't know why. They're like, what did we do? <laughs> but I think ultimately it's just the stuff that I like to listen to. So it's the stuff that I create. I think it's, I think it just, it doesn't really mean much more than that other than I think it's rad. And so then it, that's just what happens. <laughs> but I love that you love it. Yeah. <laughs> Call my parents and tell them. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. And one of the songs that I do love is Come For Me. It is yeah. this edgy and gritty and vibey track it's a mesh of what i consider like marion hill meets billy eilish I like yeah. think of it in that camp. so talk to me about the story behind the song man oh wow okay so that song i think i originally started writing it like the day after me and an ex broke up he's a great guy shout out to him no issues with him he's a, he's a good person but I, and it, I was concerned we'd been dating for a very long time. And I was concerned about the impact of having someone in your life and then them leaving. And what happens with the echoes of that? Like, where do they go? How does it affect you? Do you feel that? And so I think the song, I wanted that to come out through it, which was like a, you're not here, but you're still here kind of thing. And the, but it definitely took a more, I was trying to edit it. We struggled with the chorus for a minute, but it took a more sinister turn for sure after I saw the movie The Quiet Place. You ever seen that movie? I haven't yes. yet, but I, I, I want to. And like, oh, oh, God, it's so good. It's one of the I love scary movies. It's one of the best scary movies I've ever seen. Yes, it's amazing. You definitely have to go watch that. But in that movie, they all have to be quiet or the monsters get them. And essentially, they, found, they find them all through them making sounds so it's I wanted to that to come out in the chorus and I was just really inspired by that just was like oh if I don't make a noise you find me if I stay quiet will you still haunt me so it's that kind of thing I love that concept it, it's such it's such a it's such a storytelling element and I, I love that because I love songs with story in it like not songs just to be a song or songs just to be a hit I love songs yeah. that you find a story within it so I love that thank you <laughs> I definitely relate to your track Alive mm -hmm. having people question your perception of reality when you fall for someone I definitely relate to that for sure what was the production process for Alive like bringing that to life that song to life we were definitely very inspired by the Nine Inch Nails kind of industrial sound there. And I think it was one of those things where I just wrote that top line and we were like, oh man, this verse is really interesting and we should definitely pursue that. I think my favorite part of that production is the outro, which is just like total noise. But there's, and that just was like a weird brainchild one evening. I was like, I really want to do this bizarre, heavy outro because I... It definitely goes hand in hand with my like live show stuff. I have one of those SPD pads. So it's like a drum trigger pad. And I wanted to be able to play that live. And up until that point, there weren't 
a lot of opportunities in my songs or in the live show for me to incorporate that element. So we made that outro because I was like, not only is this rad, but it also looks rad when you're playing it live. So I think uh, I definitely just wanted to push that sound further. And I think from Come For Me and Alive on, I think it's where I'm starting to really hone in on this like dark industrial pop, which I'm stoked about. That song was fun to make and it's definitely a newer vibe for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely hear the Nine Inch Nails and the cross of Billie Eilish. Like that outro reminds me of her outro in, oh my God, it's either Bad Guy or, or Bury a Friend. Either of those two, like with their like their outros or whatever, I can hear those influences in that track. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that you say that artists are entrepreneurs, because I, I believe that fully. Mm -hmm. We are our, our own hustlers. We are our own brand. We have a team, but we are also our own entrepreneurs. Everything. Yeah, exactly. So what business advice would you give artists who are starting out? I think hard work. Hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work, hard work. Like no one is going to do it for you. Google is your best friend. T taking people to coffee and talking to them and instead of asking them for help, ask them for advice because no one wants to help you if you're not doing anything on your own. So prove to them that you're worth working with and then everything else will fall into place. I've never been pissed that I worked hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've never been like, you know what I wish I didn't do? Wake up earlier. Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's, that's one thing that it's hard for creatives to do is work hard on the stuff that's not creative and it sucks, but like you just got to do it. And it, the people that I've seen that are the most successful are the ones who didn't wait for someone to hold their hand. They just got up and did it themselves and whatever that is, whether it's making your own website or understanding social media or learning how to produce, I don't, whatever hole you're trying to fill, learn how to do it bare bones. And then someone will basically pop up and be like, Hey, any chance you need help? And you're like, yes, I do. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and understanding all that stuff. Oh my gosh. Like, Putting in that That's effort. A lot. It is a lot. Like putting in that effort to even understand social media because that whole beast of itself is me trying to figure that out. We're trying to build our followership on there or trying to spread the word out about our content there. It's just a whole, It's. it feels like I'm taking math 2.0, trying to figure out. Oh my gosh, yeah, I know. Yeah, trying to figure all that stuff out. Marketing and putting out the word that your stuff is out there is just another beast. But like you said, if you are willing to put in the work, it's going to pay mm -hmm. off. It might not be tomorrow, but it will pay off in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And I think it's, it is, I always heard that luck isn't, like luck only works if you've been preparing up until that point. I've never seen someone just get lucky who like didn't prepare for it and have that work out for them. So it's, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember what the quote was. It's something like luck is basically when hard work and talent combine. And I think that's what it is. So I think that's just what I've kept in the back of my mind. You can be so talented, but if you're lazy, it's not going to work, but hard work gets you farther than talent. Just period. As from what I can tell. So hard work and on that <laughs> note what would your words of wisdom be to fellow creators out there who are maybe struggling in this time or because they oh, don't because they feel like it might be a productivity contest maybe or yeah just what would your oh, yeah. uh, words of wisdom be to fellow creators out there I think I have just tried to set a goal for me and stick to that goal and understand that every single day I'm gonna wake up so say my goal is to release one single every two months if I see someone every day releasing one single every one month, two singles every two weeks, like whatever it is, it's going, 
I cannot compare my race to theirs. Like I set this goal for me and this is what I need to follow through with and know that every single day you might be getting information that makes you want to change that goal. But if that's one that you felt was like inherently true to you, then that's one you just need to stick to and just try to keep your blinders on. Cause honestly, everyone's probably looking at you thinking the same thing. They're like, Oh God, I gotta be, I gotta work just as hard as she is or just work hard as they are or whatever. And so it's, you feel like everyone's working harder than you, but in reality, everyone, everyone thinks everybody's working harder than them. <laughs> it's right, a universal right. problem. So. so tell, it's been a wonderful chat. Um, go ahead and tell the listener like where they can connect with you on social media, where they can, where they can check out your music. I'm going to turn the floor over to you and you can, yeah, give our little listeners a shout out if you want to. Yeah. All right. I'm so happy I got to talk to you today. It was great. Thanks for having me on. You can check out all my stuff on Spotify. It's Notel, N-O-T-E-L-E. And then all my socials are at Notel Music on Twitter and Instagram. So come give me a follow there. I got a new single coming out, I think, June 26th. I don't know when this episode will air, but if it's before that, go pre-save it. If it's after that, go listen to it. Yes. <laughs> and then also uh, make sure to register to vote and fill out the census. That's very important. So everyone go do that. Yes, yes. We all need everybody to vote. Yes. Use your vote. It's important. It is. Yeah. But I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Special thanks to Notel for being today's guest. I really like what she said about not comparing your own race to somebody else's. Competition could be a driving force, but can also kill our creative spirit. Remember, whenever you're creating a project, remember who you're creating it for in the first place. Yourself. To find out more about Notel, visit the links in the show notes. Popner Lounge is a two-man operation, rather I should say two-women operation. It is executive produced by Steph Pham and V. Co. V. Co. serves as the show's creative director, and Steph Pham is the show's host and editor. You can find us on social media at Popner Lounge. For an easy, convenient hub of everything Popner Lounge, visit our website, popnerlounge.com. That's it for this week. Tune in next time for another conversation with a fellow creative. I'm Steph Pham.